This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy pick of the week number 663, brought to you by Harry's. Go to harrys.com slash iFanboy to get $5 off a shave set while supplies last, with free shipping until December 12th. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Out of all the reindeer, you know you're the mastermind. Run, run, Rudolph. Rudolph ain't too far behind. Run, run, Rudolph. Santa's got to make it to town. 
Santa make him hurt Tell him he can take a freeway down Hello, and welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 663, our final episode, regular episode, of 2018. I'm not relieved about that at all. Are you co-host Connor Kilpatrick? No, there's still going to be lots to talk about. We'll be talking about that at the end of the show, but uh, this is appropriately for the last pick of the week of the year, a jam-packed episode. Yes, yeah, it was, uh, it was some consternation. Yeah, that's what it was. We are iFanboy, and every week we have some consternation. We talk about our stack of comics. One of us with consternation picks their favorite book, which hopefully contains a bit of consternation. We call that the const- pick of the week, and we talk about that book, other books in the week, the patron pick, which always causes consternation. Yep. And uh, maybe if we have time, we'll read some listener mail, and I think you know where I'm going with this consternation. It will be fun, and I don't know if this is a word, consterning. Consterning. I don't think is it that is. that a word? That's one of those words where consternation is the noun, but there's not really a word it's based on. Yeah, but let's just make it a word. Well, <laughs> fill your concern sacks. You can probably patent that and retire. Mm-hmm. I think so. Is do the, Can you do that with words? Does that work like, uh, uh, like uh, song publishing rights? I don't think so. Like the guy who came up with ginormous is just like rolling in a Benz right now? In fact, you owe him now a penny. Did you notice that I made uh, what I would call an 80s rap reference to wealth with Roland in a Benz? Because <laughs> I think that Benzes used to be a lot less commonplace, is my point. Well, they're still pretty fancy. They are fancy, but you know you can get one for a few hundred a month now if you need to. That's true. Let's talk about comics. Well, you had the pick of the week, didn't you? I did, yeah. And speaking of consternation, I didn't know what to pick when I finished reading. That's been happening a lot lately. Yes, there's been a couple of weeks in the last couple. Wealth of choice. Yeah, there's a wealth of choice, but also this week there wasn't that huge standout. There was a bunch of books I really liked to read. There was a bunch of what we call a four-star books. And then a couple, it it came down to this. It came down to Martian Manhunter number one, which is the pick of the week. And it came down to the Green Lantern number two, which we're going to talk about later. I wasn't sure. I let it sit with me for a while. I really liked both issues. But there was just something about Martian Manhunter that stuck with me. I kept thinking about scenes and pages. You know, sometimes just, there's just the one element that puts it over the top. And the fact that I kept thinking about certain sequences of it over, over Green Lantern made it to pick. So let's talk about it. Yeah. It's not perfect. Martian Manhunter number one, written by Steve Orlando, art by Riley Rosmo, colors by Ivan Plasencia, and letters by Daron Bennett. I'm a big John Jones fan. I always... Check out his books whenever they put them out. This is a 12-issue maxi-series, by the way. I can confirm that. Not uh, That you're a fan, not yes. that it's a 12-issue maxi-series. Well, it says it on the cover, so I think we can, we can be, no, sa- I, be saving it. I, I'm just going to let you. I won't take that part. I will just say you like John Jones. I do. And he's been unfocused in the new 52, which we're not even calling the new 52 anymore. But basically, since 2011, they haven't really known what to do with him which has been a shame because he's been one he has always been one of the best characters in dc he's all you know the, the cliches he's the heart of the, of the justice league he's always he's the, the, sort of the moral compass and they haven't they haven't had a plan for him it's interesting because it, you know we've talked about other characters where uh you know they, they're they don't have it they don't know what to do with him it's unfocused they can't figure out who it is but John Jones is not one of those characters. I always feel like he's fairly well established for a while. But you're right. He, he fell off the map because I think they tried to do something else with him. And none of that stuff stuck. 
Yeah, and you know they gave they 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 gave him a new appearance with weird stuff in his head and arm like the, the Batman glove wings on his arms for some reason and they played up his weirdness which I think was is always is a mistake. He's made appearances here and there in Justice League books, but he just hasn't had the presence he had previously. They just for whatever reason haven't known what to do with John Jones. So here we have a miniseries and it occurs to me just at this moment that this may be aping or attempting to ape sort of the Tom King style. Who has a big old fat quote on the cover. Right. And it could be, the reason why I thought of it was because usually DC and Marvel go to great pains to hide the fact that their books are miniseries because people don't buy miniseries anymore. Right. But Tom King's sort of becoming known for these 12-issue miniseries, you know, these sort of character studies from from the Vision to Mr. Miracle to even Sheriff of Babylon. Mm-hmm. So here we have it very prominently saying 12-issue maxi-series on the cover and a big old Tom King quote on the top. And I wonder if that's like a thing they're going to try at DC. I mean, it seems like it would make sense to me that you could, you know, like you could, I feel like you'd be able to sell something that is not, that is finite. Right. It, it seems like that, that doesn't seem like a bad deal. It's not part of the overall tapestry of the ongoing story. And as you know from doing this for many years, many readers just want to know what happens next in the overall story. Yeah, that's true. And these books don't fit into that paradigm. But let's talk about this issue. Similarly to what's happening in Nightwing, I don't necessarily love what they're doing here, but I find it interesting. I think we've been getting a lot of that lately. Yeah, there's a major thing they do here with this character, which I don't think I've ever seen before, and I did not like it. But again... I thought, well, at least that's an interesting choice to make, and I can respect that. That is a sign of – I'm not complimenting you per mm-hmm. se, but like that's a sign of an, a mature reader, I think, like that you can distance yourself from it. Like if you're out there reading something and you have that thought, like congratulations, you've reached the next level. And it doesn't mean I'm going to stick with it if it gets worse, but as long as it's compelling. So here we have Detective John Jones – uh, does he see where he is? Is he in Denver? I don't know. He's in Colorado, Middleton, Colorado. Kind of sad guy. And he's got a partner with crazy 80s hair. <laughs> What's her name? I don't know, but she's a pescatarian. She's a pescatarian, but she's eating sausage, so I guess not. And so they're investigating a really brutal murder. And there's a missing teenage girl that makes him think of his teenage daughter back on Mars. And then we get an ex- extended flashback to Mars. And this is all drawn by Riley Rossmo, who was terrific, and I thought the art was really great in this. I don't think we've ever spent a ton of time in the full-fledged Martian society. Whenever we see John Jones's flashbacks, it's always too post-apocalyptic. They've all been killed by the white Martians. My family's dead Mars. This is like Krypton Mars, where they have full-on buildings and flying cars and Martians that look very different from one another. I thought that was interesting. They have different colored Martians. There's uh, gold Martians, and there's... Is it, well, obviously green and white ones, and that creates sort of a caste system. They call them by their colors. And then we meet John Jones in a very different costume than what we've see, seen him before, and he's an asshole. In fact, mm-hmm. he's a corrupt cop. I have to mention something. Yeah. I asked you earlier today, should I read this? And you said you should. I haven't. Okay. I'm looking at it. I'm aware of it. But just, just all cards on the table... I see Steve Orlando's name on a cover of something now, and I go, I'm not going to like that. Now, it has gone the other way with people. I used to see Al Ewing's name on a cover, and I said, I'm not going to like that. That doesn't mean it's bad. It means that 
I, I'm not there. Then that guy went and he did that Hulk book, which is, you know, changing things. So one of these could be the book that changes my thing on it. But I read a lot of Steve Orlando and whatever the last sort of upheaval of everything was. And I was like, I don't like any. I 100% with you. He's not a writer who I responded to. I would only read this because it's John Jones and Riley Rossmo on art. If it had been another character, another artist, I just would have passed it on, right on by. And I'm not saying that would have been a mistake. I'm just saying that's what would have happened. We meet a John Jones here who's leaning on Martian merchants for their for their protection money. Yeah. That's the part I didn't like, but it was an interesting choice to make because what happens other than the death of his family, or maybe it is just the death of his family that turns him into the John Jones we know because, it, because it's something. It, I, the, I can see why you'd have a problem with it, and I can see that it's an interesting choice, but it, it, it changes what that character's archetype is. Mm-hmm. In from being, say, the Captain America Superman archetype yep. to the Clint Barton archetype. Right. He was looking for redemption before, but his redemption was because he lost his family. And he killed the scientist who zapped him to Earth. Right. Not unlike Frank Castle, but with a different path. Right. If he used to be a bad guy, that's a different thing. No, that's what I'm saying. That's why I didn't yeah. like it. And But it's interesting because I don't know how much we've fleshed out John Jones's life on Mars before. It's a good point. Like, if they pitch me this story, I don't, I say no. <laughs> Find a different angle. But they're doing it. So far, it's interesting. Then there's a giant. You'd be the, the most intransigent DC editor ever. No. I just, he won't take anything. It's wrong. <laughs> Why? It's wrong. Out. Out. <laughs> if you go to page uh, 17 on your digital reader, Josh, you'll see the giant um, blobby sex scene in which John and his wife merge into one that. blob and then sort of separate after they're done. I th- I was just flipping through it before, and I thought that that was like a fight scene. No, no. But I, well, it's in a way, pretty graphic. I mean, as blob sex scenes go. Yeah, I don't know that I have anything to compare it to. The dialogue, at least. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I guess this is sort, of, and then so there's an accident. John's hallucinating, and he, he he crashes the car. And in the course of crashing the car with his partner, because the car is on fire, he turns back into his Martian self, and so she's now sees him as a. Not just John Jones cop. It was interesting, and I do. And now that I, the more I think about it, the more this feels very much like. Let's try to do the vision and Mr. Miracle with with John Jones, but without Tom King. Mm-hmm. Now I'm kind of bummed Tom King didn't do John Jones. I mean, you could now you could apply that to a lot of things. Yeah. What you know what Tom King should do? He should do fucking Hawkman because he won't do that same Hawkman again. That's true. It would just be like, oh, good. It's like that's a character that needs a change. The Riley Rossmo art was worth the price of admission. He uh, is terrific, and he draws really weird people and characters. None of his people look normal, just in general. So to draw this kind of book is kind of perfect. I liked his interpretation of the monsters. I like his interpretation of John Jones. It's more of a classical one, even though it's through that weird Riley Rossmo lens. He doesn't have the weirdness on his head or arms. I don't love the costume, but I can live with it at the moment. I'm very curious to see what happens next. I think that was one of the other driving factors was... I thought about a lot of the scenes a lot. I, I wrestled with the central idea of it. And then I really wanted to know what was going to happen next. And that earned it the pick of the week status. I, I can live with that. I think one of the things that's interesting about looking at this, my main sort of, is the art. And it's interesting to see how Riley Rosmo has come up. Mm-hmm. And I say that because he's been around for quite a while. Now, it's been at least, I don't know when Proof was, but it's been at least a decade. Yep. And you'd see him pop into stuff every once in a while, and it would be fringy stuff. And then he did that. He did a Batman run yep. uh, at one point, or Detective, one of them or the other. And you're, you're seeing like the, 
I was going to say the edges get rounded off his art, but that's not actually correct. But like, it's just a an, an smoothening that is happening. It's almost more of the way that it's produced mm-hmm. um, that just makes it look a little more mainstream and palatable, but actually still captures the essence of what it is that he draws. And I and I like that. I think that works really well. Um, it used to be a lot more sketchy. Well, I mean, artists artists also evolve. Yeah, but but I mean, it's 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 that I'm guessing you know. Uh, uh, most people are drawing digitally now. Who knows if he was back then, but he didn't, certainly didn't look like it. Yeah. This looks like that could be the case. Um, but I, I think that that puts him in a position where he can, you know, it's just weird enough that it's interesting, but it, it can still be acceptable sort of on a, on a, on a mainstream book. It's not, it's not Sam Keith where you're like, what the hell am I looking at? You know, right. which some people really, really respond to, but it turns a lot of people off. And that's not a bad thing. It's, it's good. For, it's good for him. And I think it works in this book. I like looking at it. It's interesting. On the one hand, we're sort of returning John Jones to a more recognizable position, at least the current, quote unquote, current day version of John Jones. On the other hand, the, the backstory seems to be very different. It's a trade off if you're a John Jones fan because he hasn't really gotten much due. He hasn't looked like himself. He's getting back there, but now we find out some things about him we may not like to find out, which may be very interesting or may not work. We'll see. It's only issue one. But at least I have a sense of what they're trying to do here, I think, as opposed to. Still, Doomsday Clock, number eight, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank. I I don't know, man. I don't know what this is. I loved this issue. This issue as an issue was great. Might this be the was best the one. best issue I've read of this whole thing. And we are going to – this is this will be relating because I read Shazam number one right after that, which is the next book that we're going to talk about. Yeah. But I was just going – Man, I, I remember that Jeff Johns was good, but we haven't seen him for such a long time. And I was reading this and, and I just like, wow, he's he's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I think he actually got better, which is weird. So as a sort of Elseworld Superman story, and also I thought that I don't I don't know, this barely touched on the idea of, of the Watchmen right. at all, really. It was a sort of an Elseworld Superman Firestorm story yep. uh, with and then Black Adam showed up and Putin was in it and. <laughs> And I, I just lo- I loved, you know, as a Superman story, it was a different Jeff John Superman, and there was a moral quandary that was going on. And there's a scene where Batman is yelling at him in his ear when he's trying to make a decision, and it's difficult for him. And I, I thought it was great. No, this was- issue was really good as a single story. Yeah, uh, I just don't understand what they're doing with this book. And then at the end, so basically, there's an international incident in Russia. Firestorm accidentally turns a bunch of people to glass, which he didn't know he could do because his power shouldn't affect organic matter. Superman tries to help him. He ends up being able to fix one of the one of the people, a kid, and the, he wants to go back and fix all the people he turned to glass, but the rush is using it as a propaganda tool. And so there's an international incident, and then it blows up in Superman's face pretty spectacularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought that the whole scene where they start shooting and the glass people get killed and run over by tanks and I thought it was very emotionally affecting because yes you, you, could, you could feel Firestorm's pain because he can he thinks he can save these people but they won't, they won't let him they'd rather use him and then we have a bunch of newspapers in the back showing the, you know how, the, how this is being covered and very clearly they're showing us this takes place in the middle of next year mm-hmm. now we talked about before that this feels very much like Doomsday Clock was created at a time when Jeff Johns was in charge of DC Creative. He was chief creative officer at the time, mm-hmm. and he was pushing DC in this direction. And it feels very much since then he's no longer the chief creative officer. 
that DC has gone off in a different direction because this book has taken so long to produce. It's come out at best every other month. Uh-huh. Usually more, way more often than that. This it's taken a long time, and it feels like in that intervening time, DC went in a different, different way. So it doesn't feel in any way, shape, or form that the DC universe we're reading outside of this book is heading towards this moment next year. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just doesn't feel that way. So that's why I'm like, I don't know what this, what this is anymore. If you just told, if they just said, look, we we thought we we're gonna go this way, we're not going this way anymore. This is like a fun Elseworld story. Then fine. But I don't know what this they're never going to say that. But right. you can infer that that's what it is. It's the same thing with you know like Brian Bendis in the closet forever ago, whatever that was. They didn't, and he's just being coy about it. And to me, like, but but that's what Watchmen was. It was just what's this thing over here? And this is a Watchmen crossover with the. If if I leave it on its own and I don't think about any of that stuff, none of that bothers me because mm-hmm. I can just look at the craft of it and be like, geez, it's it's. It's quite a thing, yep. you know. I, I, and I actually, I, I actually enjoy that. I'm, I'm enjoying that ambiguity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for this one, I just, I, I just got to revel in the sort of like it's, it shouldn't, I shouldn't like this. It should be dumb. But as we <laughs> keep going, the fact that it's so strange and, and I don't know what it is, but and it's Jeff Johns who like couldn't have been a more mainstream creator if we, tr- if he tried. Yep. And so the fact that this is kind of not that, but also is super mainstream at the same time. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I and I think I just enjoy the the fact that I don't quite understand what any of that is. I I do want to call out page thirty on your on your digital reader. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, a, it's a gorgeous page, like in its storytelling terms. You've got the Batman sort yep. of rushing from left to right. That second level of the of the of the quote unquote nine panel grid, you know, is Superman reaching forward and then Batman facing the same way, yep. reaching forward, and then the hand on. Oh, it's just that's a, such a good page. Yeah, it is. It's like that's a storytelling like like masterclass right there. It's just really nice. So in this issue, someone had sent Lois a thumb drive. It includes a old newsreel, uh, but it, but it has the Justice Society of America in it. She's never heard of them. Again, and I think part of my my consternation with this issue is, oh, <laughs> uh, you know what I like is that the blurb for the show on the page is already written now. <laughs> is that uh, how to say this politically? We know from talking to people that there was a schism within DC over whether or not to roll back to the old continuity, or at least re- reintroduce old continuity elements, or try to uh, try to merge them. Jeff Johns was on the side of, yes, clearly do that. He's obviously been doing that. And he introduced Rebirth when he was in charge, and that brought Wally West back, and that revealed to the characters that there's a whole other life that they they lost, and that was going to lead to this book, which who knows if it was meant to do anything, but we're reintroducing the Justice Society. All the characters here look like the classic versions of themselves. And maybe to me, the fact that, that Jeff is no longer in charge and this seems to be going nowhere in the wider DCU is sad because it's evidence that his side lost the, the war. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just my subconscious realizing that you know we're not going to fix elements that are still all messed up. I think DC is still emotionally unmoored. I think yeah, they they, no, they produce really good books. They're usually the ones that exist on their own because the core of DC is still floating in space. When Johns was the creative officer, there was that, and that, but or or when like Casada. Or, you know, I mean, he's the one I'm going to point to. Yeah. You know, was the EIC like there was a there was a driving creative vision? But now, like, is Bob Harris still the editor in chief? I think so, but I don't know. They don't really right. Put and him then out you there. got Jim Lee and you got Dan DiDio, and like I don't know who's in charge, but I know that the the aesthetics of of all of all of those people are not 
sort of a singular creative vision in that way. Even Marvel, Marvel was doing okay with it when they had their little architects thing, you know, and there was a pretty core group of people who had all come up together mm-hmm. and were kind of on the same page. So you sort of got something there. But yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that DC doesn't know what it is right now. And and then also Diane Nelson's out. Yeah. It hasn't known what, it's, what it is for a long time. Uh, the characters still feel different and weird and... I couldn't point to any like uh, overall feeling of DC. I can point to go- books that are individually good, but I can't point to an overall feeling at DC Comics. What is it supposed to be? I don't know. I mean, uh, like, the, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it, it can happen lots of different ways. I think it can happen if there's a galvanizing force like in the books itself. Grant Morrison does Justice League, and then that sends a wave through everything. That sort of oh, we're, this is this is where we're going. I think you could say the same thing happened with. Bendis on Avengers, like, oh, we're going this way, or, or like a big event that happens. But that hasn't happened in a while, at least not in a successful way. Mm-hmm. Or, or or a person sort of steps up and takes over, this is what we're doing. They do it, and we know they do it in the groups. You know, uh, I think I think we can, we can say Superman, both in this Bendis incarnation and the last incarnation, was very much like, okay, all the all these books are together. Mm-hmm. They're working in the Superman family books, and and then, yeah, I, I was going to say that about the Batman books, but I think Detective has been a little, yeah, it's rough, all over the it's, place. It's a, it's it's in a weird spot, but I'm very curious to hear what you think about Shazam number one, which is also Jeff Johns, drawn by Dale Eaglesham, his longtime Justice Society collaborator. It's funny because I was like, wait, am I remembering the movie trailer or the comics? <laughs> that did that several times during this. It might be the same thing. Yeah, and I think they are now, yep. which is it was not a bad thing. I'm I'm 100% okay with it. It didn't feel like a first issue mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It felt like they were already moving and and like it's almost like if you had watched the movie trailer for the Shazam movie, then you could get along with this, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. But Jeff Johns and Dale Eaglesham doing a tone that I remember from those wonderful Justice Society books, I thought was delightful. It was, and I thought it was just this side of YA, which is not a criticism, but it felt very much a younger reader's book or an, or an all reader's book as opposed to something like Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Which is fine, which is, I think works for this character. And these, but it, it was interesting to read these back to back to see the different tones because they, they're not yes, the same tone. Yes, it was. But it was a very comfortable shoe. You know, I just went, oh, this. And, and there, there is a, a lightness to that, which, which I miss. I think, and so I, I had a lot of fun reading it. Captain Marvel and his, his now extended and multicultural Marvel family. There's a lot more people here, and for some reason, Freddie Freeman is blonde now. I guess because they cast a blonde actor. It's interesting to see the pretzel they have to turn themselves into because they can't say Captain Marvel or Marvel family or Mary Marvel or Captain Marvel Junior anymore. So none of them have code names. Mm-hmm. All perfectly great code names before, but now they are not doing those anymore. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Because at one point they say we really need code names because they don't have any. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it, it was fun. It's interesting. I don't know if it was the art, but it did very much feel like a kind of return to that Justice Society time. Oh yeah, and uh, a good cliffhanger. So I'm interested. Yeah, to see where I, it goes. I I had a lot of fun reading it, and it was just it was just like, oh this kind of comic. Like we need more of this kind of comic. I don't know what the cover had to do with anything. He didn't try to pass math at all. <laughs> I think the cover is telling you this is, a, you know, about you know. Yeah. I think this is a, this is a comic you can read with your kids. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that movie is going to be a movie that I can take my kids to. I mean, they watch all the other ones anyway, but still. Yeah. 
What did you think of the costume with the Kirby dotted glowing logos on each, everybody's chest? I don't think I noticed it. I think I noticed it like without really thinking about it. Like oh. I said, something's different, but I don't know they registered what it was or like that was a, a theme. I'm fine with that. I don't really, I don't need to be yellow. That works. Okay. You put a Kirby dot in there. I'm fine with it. My only thing, if I had any criticism, mm-hmm. uh, I think it would just be that there were actually so many of them. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't really introduce the kids until no. after everybody turned into this. So I, I was just, I was like, okay, I, I know, I know who Captain Marvel Jr. is, and I know who Mary Marvel is, and I didn't really know who the other people were. But I'm fine with that. Yeah. Also, I thought the I one other thought is that these good Samaritans, these people who've brought in all these foster kids, look way too young and rested to have a fucking family full of teenagers that that are that they're fostering. They got six kids, six teenagers yeah, in their house. Those motherfuckers would be they might be thirty five, but they'd look seventy. There's no way they don't. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. This is unexpected. I have no idea if this is a miniseries or what, but Oh, oh I also want to mention the second the backup story. Jeff Johns, written by, uh, drawn by uh, Mayo Sen Nato, which was Mary's origin mm-hmm. in a very manga-esque style. I actually really liked the art, and I liked it more than the Daily Illusion art. I thought that was delightful. Yeah, I was like, oh, they should have had this guy draw the whole book, or her draw yep. the whole book. I had fun with Eaglesham just because it was, sure. it was like, oh, this. Like, I, I felt very happy. About, but I liked that part, too. I don't, I, don't, I don't always read the backups, but I sort of started to, and I was like, nope, nope, this is good. We can, we can go ahead. It was a good little character piece origin. Mm-hmm. You got a real sense of Mary as a person from reading it, which was which was good. Don't know what her superhero name is though. A lot of number ones this week, Josh. Did you read Mark Miller's latest number one, Prodigy? I was uh, I was one hundred percent unaware of it. All right. Well, Prodigy is the latest Netflix book from Mark Miller, drawn by Raphael Albuquerque, published by Image Comics. Their, their deal with Netflix. This was very much Mark Miller doing Warren Ellis, which he's he's done a lot. Sure. It's about Edison Crane, who is seemingly the smartest person in the world. I'm, I'm sure this is a six-issue miniseries because that's all Mark Miller does now. It's an issue one in which we meet the character as a kid. And we see it in, in his boarding school. His fellow students don't appreciate that he is young and smarter than they are, so he gets beat up a lot. But then he learns Kung Fu by watching Bruce Lee movies and beats them up. It doesn't really tell us what this book is going to be, which is a problem with a lot of these image books. We don't know what the story is. We don't know... What's happening? We just meet this character and we learn a lot about him. And it was good. I actually really liked it. There's something about a multi-dimensional invasion, but we don't really know what what's going to happen yet. Albuquerque is good, and the character was interesting. You know, it's always fun to do these smartest men in the world solves problems stories. I don't know how I missed this. I just didn't see it for whatever reason. But here's the thing: mm-hmm. I've come to realize I don't love Albuquerque. That's so interesting. I like him. I think he's very, very good. But as time has gone on, I've I've just cooled to the work. I just mm-hmm. I, I didn't really like that last one. Hutch? Yeah. Oh, like, right. I liked didn't, it, but like I didn't run I, I didn't it. love it. It was it was fine. And that's kinda how I, I get that. I feel like there's I don't know. There is a really terrific sequence in here where his dad is a senator and is gonna be Secretary of State and the vice president and his family is over visiting to tell him they're going to make him Secretary of State. And the Vice President's son has a heart condition. So when they go to pick up the kids as they're leaving, the Prodigy character is doing open-heart surgery on the, on the kid in, their, in his bedroom. That was, a, I, that. That was funny. Funny and shocking. When, it turned, when I did the digital page turn, I was like, whoa! Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really typical Miller shock page, but it actually worked really well. 
I will read it. I was just it was just a complete oversight. It wasn't really a choice. But it was good. You know, he's still doing good work, Miller. It's it's unfortunately you only really get a taste of it. Well, that's 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 how it's always worked. Yeah, I mean, I I remember thinking that when I read the Ultimates, I was like, that went by awful fast. Well, just that you know, he only really does these miniseries that he then turns into movies or TV shows, which is totally yeah. fine. But I would love to read more from these characters he creates. That, that's but that's been his mo for a long time. The fact that we ended up with it was three series of the Jupiter's yep. Children Legacy or whatever. This mm-hmm. is, that's like that's unheralded. But he's always kind of worked in those bursts. Again, Ultimates was you know six twelve issues when he was on the Authority. It was just a, like it was yep. like a burst from Old Man Logan, you know that kind of stuff. He's got a lot that's, of ideas. Yeah, he do, he does, and and that's that's just his his move. He's not he's not a sixty issue guy. He's never going to be. I'm very curious to see why you put Marvel Knights 20th Anniversary Special number three on the list because I've been enjoying it, but you said you hadn't been. So I said you know? on the first one that I didn't know what to make of it, mm-hmm. and then I was not on the last show that was on, which I hadn't listened to because I I hadn't caught up on the books until a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys talked about it, um, but I really enjoyed the second issue. And then when I got to the third issue, because now I had like an idea. This mm-hmm. that was a that that first issue was the first issue problem. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what this is. Now I understand what this is. It's a uh, it's either an Elseworlds or it's sort of outside of the time bubble. Like mm-hmm. these characters all get put into this place, and so we get to see these alternate versions that so they go back to remembering what they were. And I think that the characterization is really strong. This one was scripted by Teeny Howard. I don't know if she did the same on number two. Uh, with Donny Cates helping with the story, but it basically they passed the torch in that Marvel way that happens. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. I didn't feel a, a drop in that. It felt a little, just a, like a little tiny bit more. Probably because I was looking for it. Some of it was a, a little less polished, but mm-hmm. not, not really even a criticism. I think that the character work is really strong. The sort of discovery process that we're going through is really good. I like the fact that the cop was Donald Blake, and I hadn't quite realized that. Right. Until after the fact, and they run into this sort of young punk looky character. I like the Frank Castle storyline in this a lot. I, I like that, every, like, the captions are all sort of his reaction, his thought reactions to everything, which could fall apart and be dumb really quickly. But I like that he's just so angry. Donnie Cates really has an affinity for Frank Castle. Yep. Clearly. At least this one doesn't sound like Hoss from down Texas. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been enjoying this as, a, as you said, sort of an Elseworlds outside of continuity look at these characters who were integral to the Marvel Knights launch all those many years ago. Yeah. I, I, I really, like, I read two, and I was like, oh, that was fun. And then I read three pretty r- right away after that. And I, and I, and I was I was like, oh, good. This is, that's that's because the first one I wasn't sure what to make of. I dug, I, I like the art. Like, uh, you know, it, it's a good time. I, mean, I don't know how long this is going or what, but, you know, <laughs> three issues in, we're still sort of on a road trip finding these characters, and I'm fine with it because... They're enjoyable to hang around with. Uh, they meet Scarlet Witch and her kids here. We spend time with Tony Stark. Tony Stark, uh, that's right. Is which he, is a different version of it. He's, he's in, the, in he's prison, in, right? Yeah, he's in prison. He's he's locked down on Rikers Island. That's right. But he's, you know, he manipulates everything. And he's super smart, just like he is. And He's like less evil Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's fun. And it's also, it's, it's ramped up. Like, it's a little, like just over the top of uh, right. uh, just a bit. It's supposed to be in the real world, but it's, it's not quite, it's fun. It's melodramatic. I, think I really did fun. enjoy the moment when he tased Loki. <laughs> if you don't stop talking, I'm going to tase you. Okay. Well, tase. He says what he means and he means what he says. <laughs> I'm going to mean what I say now about our, our friends over at harrys.com. Connor, uh, who's listening to this right yep. now, he's on the other side of this line is an excellent shopper. He's oh. a good gift giver. He's among the best I know. I am not. Okay. If you are like me, 
And and unfortunately, I can't give Connor a Harry set because nope. I know he has it already. It I would do. be it would be it would be a thoughtless gift for me. But for other people, you've got your your uncle that you only see once a year or or something like that. Uh, these are these are great gifts because even if even if they're they're not sure, they're going to use it and then they go, oh wow, that was really great. And you'll get a call from them later. Boy, you know that that shave set you got was really nice. And you're like, I know, I know it would be. That's that's the how uncle's got to shave. He's got to shave. He's going to do that. Harry's makes perfect gift. Long-lasting, high-quality products at a super reasonable price. It's got a 4.5 out of 5-star rating on Trustpilot. German-engineered blades as low as $2 each. It's a practical gift that they're going to use. It's not some socks you're going to stuff in a drawer. And it's going to save money on refills. And I have seen around here, I do not live uh, in a major city, I have seen Harry's refills and, and blades in large retail stores around where I live now. So it's not even like... You know, they can go on the Internet and they can have them sent there. But it's also pretty convenient to get that stuff, too. They were not locked in a case that you had to go get somebody to open for you either. That's key. You can personalize it if you want to. Um, choose any color that's right. Limited edition holiday handles available. And you can even get a personal engraving option, which is good. Comes in a nice box. I really like that packaging. Uh, mm-hmm. When something you just open up, everything is in its place and it looks like it's all put together. That's a good time. Gift sets start at just $10, 100% quality guarantee. If he doesn't love it, returns are quick and hassle-free. Limited offer for fans of the show. We have partnered with Harry's. They're going to give you $5 off any shave set, including the limited edition holiday sets. So when you go to harrys.com slash ifanboy plus, you get free shipping through December 12th. This offer is for new and returning customers, both, and it's only available during the holidays. Each uh, shaving set comes with a weighted ergonomic handle. You have the option to engrave like we talked about. German-engineered five-blade cartridges, close, comfortable shave coming from that. Foaming shave gel for rich lather. That might be my favorite. Um, and, of course, the travel cover, which we have talked about endlessly. I'm not going back into that hole. I'm sorry. And, of course, the handsome holiday gift box set if you're not a good rapper. So there's that, too. So go over to harrys.com slash ifanboy. You get $5 off a shave set while supplies last. harrys.com slash ifanboy. Free shipping ends on December 12th. Get that done now. And uh, thank you to Harry's for that. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the Green Lantern number two was briefly the pick. And... It's, I mean, I'm very curious because I saw you, you you posted about it on social media, but we, we talked about it before. It, it's a very weird 90s Vertigo comic starring Hal Jordan. Yep. It's, I, you know what? I'm not even going to call it a 90s. I was, I was reading this issue and I was like, oh, this is a 2000 AD book. This is like a Judge Dredd as Green Lantern almost. It almost was the pick simply because Grant Morrison is bringing some of that weird energy and ideas he brought to X-Men. Mm-hmm. Where we have here a Green Lantern whose head is an active volcano. I uh, that was really a moment for me. <laughs> a page or two into volcano head guy, I went, "Wait, is that guy an active? <laughs> like not just but, active, but constantly active? Yeah, not just a, a volcano, constantly active volcano. Like, yes. like just spewing flame and smoke on a very small. That's a ventilation nightmare. Yeah, you're trapped in an elevator with that guy. It's big, but he's not like crazy big. And there's like, yeah, there's a lot of ideas. There's this spider villain girl, yeah. perp, in the box. And then the, the bird lady who, you know, squawks at one point but talks about eating bugs. I like the idea that Hal Jordan hates spiders. And even though he was in the power position in this interrogation and got the upper hand, he was they drew him as sweating the entire time because uh-huh. he doesn't like spiders. But he still played good cop. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. this was a great issue. I really did. It was. It was a lot of fun. It is not like if I'm looking for, oh, man, let's let's get back to Roots Hal Jordan. This mm-hmm. is not it. But it's 
you know, it might be better, but it's just, just as good. Like it's 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 a thing. Also, yeah. the uh, ending in which How returns to Earth to find Earth gone. I don't know if that's uh, yeah a thing. I'm guessing that it is not related to that exact same thing happening in the Superman comics, right? Which which is a little bit of an editorial puzzle, but whatever. It's just because we just saw it, and I was like, you know, it would have been great if you just saw Adam Strange floating <laughs> there. Say, just a little Adam Strange in the corner. <laughs> Still my favorite gag of the whole year. Yeah, I know it's, it's really pretty wonderful, and they did it twice. Yeah, that's why it's my favorite, because they went back to it. Honestly, you could have had a run at Pick of the Week because of the establishing shot of Oa. Yeah, it's beautiful. We've never seen an Oa like that before. And I've I've looked at it. I've looked at it many times over the past few days. I posted it on social media because I just I, it's it's a marvel, and I don't mean that in the copyrighted sense. Liam Sharp is really good. He just I just didn't think he was right for some of the books they had him on before. I think he's definitely right for this book. Yep. The Last Siege number seven. We talked about this book several times, but I wanted to mention it because it's a nine issue miniseries. So we're getting towards the end. The titular Last Siege is happening. It started happening at the end of the last issue, but this is this entire issue is the siege, and it's it's almost totally silent issue. I got I got to say I was a little pressure time I had a lot of books to read and I got to this and I was a few pages in I go oh are you going to give me this gift <laughs> <laughs> I, I sort of oh you did I'm going to go back and I'll 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 check it out again but I was like okay yep all right this is a gift I did my duty 40 <laughs> seconds I'm out now if I paid for it you know in the traditional sense and it gone and you know if I if I was if I was you know like had my stack and I decided oh, do I get this one or yep. maybe that's a tougher call but as a critic I can see the value in that in a different way than I think your average consumer I actually want to go back and read it again I went through the whole thing it was fun that's a risk on the part of the comic makers sure and that, you know that it doesn't always work although this is a scenario which it works really well because it's just a yep. giant battle and and what are we missing here other than the sound effects of people screaming and being chopped up and things exploding. Oh, sure. You could think you got shortchanged by not having dialogue, but any dialogue would have been extraneous. Yep. That's why it's a perfect fit for this, this yep. story. Yep, 100%. It is a really well, lushly drawn by Justin Greenwood battle. Agree. You got dudes climbing ladders, getting stabbed in the ladders, walls blowing up because they figured out that they had gunpowder, you know, giant battering rams, dudes getting chopped up and sword fights and everything you want in one of these siege stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been fun. I'm looking forward to the rest of this. Yeah, it's a good time. I, I like this this series. It's yes, sort of, it's very good. There's, there's been no dragons or anything yet. I'm like, don't screw it up now. You've only got five think, to go. I think you're safe. You've only got two left. Winter Soldier number one. It's time to reboot Bucky Barnes yet again. I don't know why. Really? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this reboot just. I think once I read uh, was it the first part? How soon did they introduce the Hydra angle? Mm. Oh, it's the first page. It's the it's the recap page. My name uh, is Bucky Barnes. People call me the Winter Soldier. I've done a lot of bad things, and those things don't go away even after you get a pardon from the government for fighting Hydra. And I went, oh, no. Because this issue is all about him saving people who were connected to the Hydra thing, and I just didn't care about that storyline, so this just didn't do anything for me, this issue. There's a couple of things I liked in this. I liked the art by Rod Reese. Yes, I did. I liked um, it a lot. I liked the fact that Basically, he helped somebody go into sort of a witness protection program mm-hmm. from Hydra, and he was a bad cop. And then he they put him somewhere, and then we followed up on it, and the guy is not adjusting well, and he hates it, and that ruins it for him, and then everybody gets killed. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. I've never seen that. I like that. What I don't am not going to like mm-hmm. is if this is case of the week 
Winter Soldier goes on these jobs. I don't care about that. Like, I, I don't want to do that indefinitely. I, like I thought that was what it was going to be, but I think the, the cliffhanger in which someone dressed up like young Bucky with a machine gun who kills that guy shows up. Oh, right, yeah. And shoots yeah. Bucky is probably indicated. You can, you can see that. how much of an impact that made on me. <laughs> this was fine. This Kyle Higgins, he's fine. It's just it's fine. it didn't blow me away. The Rodriguez hype definitely helped. Yeah, but also remember like the, like, the last time we saw Winter Soldier was in that really, really wonderful yeah, uh, right. Hawkeye and Winter Soldier uh, uh, team Marvel 2 and 1 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. that, that uh, Matt Rosenbart drew. And that was just he excellent. Like, I think I think Bucky is the most interesting when he's interacting with other Marvel characters. And on his own, I find him way less interesting. Yes. Here we'll see. Because there's a lot of people in Tony Stark's in this and Sharon. Yep. They need to fix Sharon. Sharon Carter. Yeah. They need to get that back. I'm going to give it a second issue, but I didn't love it. And there's a lot of books on the market. I'm right there with you. Not a ton of consternation, though. Just get back to the theme. I read Namor, The Best Defense, number one. There were other Best Defense books. I don't know what The Best Defense is. The, it was like, the Hulk oh, one. It's a, it's, a, it's a Defenders thing. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. It was fine. I, I, I just was happy to see a Namor book, and I was like, all right, I'm going to read this. And it did, I think, shed a little light on what's going on with Namor in the other book where it seems like it's coming from out of nowhere. And I thought it actually it didn't contradict the in the Avengers book, it's just sort of here's what's going on with Namor and so this was Chip Zdarsky on story. Yep, Carlos Magno on art. And I thought the highlight of this issue was the cover by Ron Garney of classic Namor flying out of the water. I read the Hulk one too. Was really excited for this because if you think about a writer with a specific tone that mm-hmm. he writes a lot, and Chip Zdarsky has this sort of over the top bombastic tone, it, it, and that was good. You think Namor would be perfect? I thought this was plotting. I thought it was way too much. There's a lot of words. Okay. There were a lot of words, but they were very. It was like very Roy Thomasy words. Yeah, um, I, I did not like this, but I get why you would. Yeah, I had fun with it. I didn't think it was amazing. I, I've I've really come around. Like I'm not gonna say I've come around, but like Chip Zdarsky's bought a lot of ground with me in terms of his scripts. Mm-hmm. He's won my favor. Uh-huh. The last bit though seems to be that Namor is turned into the Silver Surfer, which I'm like. Mm-hmm. Well, it's you know the next issue is Doctor Strange Silver Surfer next week, so then it, then it all comes together in the Defenders. I'm going to read the whole thing. Okay, was it, is it worth reading that Hulk one? Because I didn't get to it. I think it's Al Ewing as well, so I think you'll like okay. it. Okay, cool. This is all basically a miniseries with different titles. You should read them all if you're going to read them. Okay, it was fine. I just I just was really looking forward to a sort of bombastic Namor coming out of Chip Zdarsky, and it just didn't. It wasn't that. Which is okay. I can see that too. I can see okay. that. You read a holiday special of your own volition. I did. Well, I love holiday specials. The Mary X-Men holiday special, number one, which so many people did, so I can't even begin to list them. And I actually really liked this for the most part because other than one recurring story, they were all just one-page stories. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said so many people worked I like on it. that. Because it was like 30 stories. And some of them worked better than others, obviously. Some of them were really goofy. Some of them were heartfelt. Some of them were weird. But the thing is, every time you turn the page, you got a new story, except for the one Jubilee story, which ran through the whole issue, which I got bored with halfway through and stopped reading. It was a really funny Charles Soule one with Ryan Brown on art about nice. Wolverine. <laughs> There's so much snow, the family can't uh, shovel it to get to their car in time, uh, to get to the stores before they close because they don't have any gifts for their parents, which seems like poor planning. But Wolverine happens to be chasing some ninjas through their yard, and he has hot claws right now. I guess that's happening in the, in the Wolverine books, and it melts all the snow and saves the day. And then, and then at the end, there's a caption box, hashtag Hot Claws. And that just made me laugh because the Hot Claws saved, saved Hanukkah. Okay. There was a, 
It was a, it was just a funny it was a funny joke at the end. There's a Cullen Bunn Magneto one. The Charlemagne the God wrote one. Kelly Thompson, Chip Zdarsky wrote a really good Old Man Logan one, which actually had a really great button joke at the end. I mean, this is worth actually checking out, Josh, because it's a bunch of one, literally one page stories. Fine. There's a really sort of funny but sad glob story. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. You can you can suss out pretty quickly which ones you don't want to read. Okay. Rainbow Rowell did a really sweet Beast one. She's good. Matthew Rosenberg did a really funny Madrox one. I mean, it's 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 worth it. Once you see what they're doing, it's really worth reading. You can skip the Jubilee recurring okay. one. I like the Mary Fine. special. There it is. So, oh, shit, it's back. That's right. I'm going to take you to Star Wars Corner, fool. Oh, God. I'm reading this book, uh, which is by Kieran Gillen. Uh, basically, uh, Han... Leia and Luke have uh, crashed or ended up on this planet that is like a oh right like an outpost settlers like there's like there's uh they're unconnected know, like, to the empire and they're yeah, they're libertarians leave them. so it's kind of fun and they're stuck there and and like Han is Han and Leia get a chance to sort of decompress and Han's like well I'm gonna have some drinks basically the whole time like the last issue had him like outside chopping wood yeah has he put a shirt on show. since then yep okay I'm assuming there's no way Ryan didn't talk about that. <laughs> But, you know, there's there's obviously this sort of mystery going on in the background. A couple of things, though, is that, hey, I'm kind of enjoying it. I was like, this feels like a Star Wars story. That's good. However, you may remember when I talk about these books and I talk about Salvador La Roca, uh, it is not with great admiration. Yes. This looks exactly like one of those Salvador La Roca books, exactly, with the weird uh, screen grab faces. Yes. Um, but it's not Salvador La Roca. It's Angel Angel Unzueta. Uh-huh. Maybe I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, but yeah, I saw. Uh, did he do the last issue too? Yeah, it yeah. Looks... We, we we talked about this with Ryan on the show, and then I went and looked because he he talked at length about shirtless Han, so I had to go look at it, and uh, it was ridiculous. And the faces are unsettling. They are unsettling, and they're actually they're more like I recognize them from the movies now. Right. Like it's I they're screen. Like, oh, that's that scene from that scene. Yeah, and it's not. It's they're not like it's actually it, at this point. Like I was at least able to appreciate Laroca's uh, restraint. Right now, you, you don't know what you got till it's gone, Josh. I know, but I just I don't understand why they can't just get somebody to draw the fucking books. <laughs> There's so many good artists out there, and you're switching them off just to have somebody draw it. I don't need to be. I, I it's you know it's other than the, the some of the faces are overblown. But other than that, like I, I get it. It's a style. I just don't like the style. I remember when when Eminem did an arc on it. Like that's that's what I want out of it. It's not my choice. Now, now that be said, stories are good. Scripts are good. Like you know, like all the way through. This has been what are we fifty eight issues in? Yeah, it's been a fine book. I've found very little to complain about in terms of like you know this isn't Star Wars. It's not that. It's Star Wars. It's great. It's exactly what you would want out of this kind of title. But With I just weird don't faces. Like yeah, I get it. There we go. Let's stay in. Kieran Gillen corner and turn <laughs> over to the patron pick. So those are the books we want to talk about, but every week over at patreon.com slash iFanboy, if you're a patron at any level, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. This week we had a tight race between the Martian Manhunter book and Die Number One from Image Comics, Kieran Gillen, Stephanie Hans, Clayton Cowles. This book was jockeying with Martian Manhunter. It was tied for a long time, and finally at the very end, two votes separated them. This is Kieran Gillen's, I guess, is this his first non-Wicked and Divine book in a while from Image Comics? Uh, I mean, not first ever, but probably. No, but he's first in a while. He had that that Roman Centurion one that we liked a yep. while back, but it's been a little while. 
I saw this described as goth Jumanji somewhere. It might have been on the Patreon page. I wouldn't. I don't think that's. I mean, I've never seen Jumanji, so I don't know. You've never seen Jumanji? Yeah. That's <laughs> I know you love when I do that. I know. Well, it's very much Jumanji. But that's not the questionable part. Did I don't you know read the bit at the end? Yes, I did. Okay, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the um, Dungeons & Dragons cartoon is what it is. It's very right, specific. but the, the idea that they go into the board game and live in the fantasy world, that's 100% Jumanji. I know, but, but also, like, he, as soon as I read that back and he's like, oh, the 80s Dungeons & Dragons cartoon, I was like, oh, that is what this is. And I loved that cartoon. <laughs> I loved it to the extent that, like, but it wasn't really successful. Yeah. So, like, I don't think it ran for a long time, so there's only a handful of episodes. I probably, I don't remember anything about it, but I remember the aesthetic of it. I was super into, and, like, they had toys, but they were hard to get. Yes. So I only had a couple of them, right. and I always wanted more of those things. Let me find out for you I liked when it ran. With that context, we'll just get into it. Hold on, I'm about, I'm about to give you your answer. Three seasons, 27 episodes. Each? Total episodes. Oh, okay, yeah. See, that's Also... Fascinating to find out, Josh. Developed by Mark Evanier. Oh, that's great. Look at that. Mark Evanier, uh, Jack Kirby's assistant and buddy and longtime comic book stalwart. Produced by Marvel Productions. Yeah, there you go. D&D Entertainment and an animation studio. Interesting. It ran for two years, 83 to 85. This won't surprise you. My favorite character was the Ranger, which was just a version of Hawkeye. (laughs) He had the bow and had the energy string. A blonde bow and arrow guy. Yeah, exactly. The, guy, the bow and arrow guy doesn't have to be up in front because he doesn't have to be all strong and like take all the hits. He's not a he's not a warrior. He's lob shit in the back, kind of like jokes. Yeah, yeah. Guess who? Hank the Ranger, voiced by Willie Ames from Charles in Charge. There you go. Sorry, I can I can look at this page all day. Keep yeah, going. we have we have to we have to get moving with okay. this show. Right. So when I saw the solicit for this, because I saw oh the leading contender right now is Die Number One. I didn't know what it was. I had to look it up. Yeah. And I saw it was Kieran Gillen. That's not bad usually, but sometimes it can be hit or miss in terms of tone that I like. I didn't know who the artist was. And then I saw role-playing game. and (laughs) Kieran Gillen, big role-playing game. Yeah, no, I know. That's his thing. It's fine. But as I started reading it, I thought it was really good. He's really, you know, he's come a long way. He's a very strong writer now. And I liked the way it was set up. I liked the characters. So a bunch of kids in 1991, I guess it's England. Yes, it's England. Go over to a kid's house to, to play a role-playing game and honor one of the kid's birthdays. It's a special role-playing game. They all have special dice, and they get sucked into the dice and into this world. They disappear for two years. They show up two years later. One of the kids is not with them, and one of the girls is missing an arm. They won't talk about what happened. And then we cut 25 years later. They're all in their early 40s. I think there's going to be a lot of autobiographical stuff in this, too, by the way. Oh, sure. And I'm, we're just the right age, so. They're all in their early 40s, and they are not dealing well with what happened, except for one kid who turned it all into a f- successful fantasy franchise who right. is fabulously wealthy and has many films based on what happened to them and wears Jaws t-shirt. And he's the one who wants to be American. Right. And then uh, they have to go back, like Lost. They got to go back to the island because they're not sure that the one kid is dead. They thought he died, but his dice shows up back in the real world covered in blood. So they go back in through the magic dice. And they're all fantasy characters. And then at the very end is they run into the missing kid who has been changed. I liked it. I did. I, I didn't love the art Stephanie Hans does. I agree. Yeah, it wasn't bad. She did the covers for Journey into Mystery for him. And he said he, he didn't even know she did sequential work. It wasn't bad. It was a little stiff. And some of the characters were hard to tell apart, especially when they were children. They were, those three of them were blondes. 
it's not bad. It's just I, it's not great. It's a judgment would have to be reserved kind of to read through the next issue. Yeah. Um, because this was one thing, and then by the time we got to the end of it, it was a different thing. And so. it, may, it may be much better when I get to the fantasy realm. She's she's clearly very good at, at this kind of aesthetic. You know, when they're all, mm-hmm. all, all in their costumes, they look great. The weapons look great. So it may just be that she's more suited to the fantasy realm than to the real world. But I did really like it when I finished it. I, and then I read the essay, which was interesting at the, yeah. uh, at the back. I'm definitely in for issue two, even though we're jumping the gun on the remix. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked it. I don't want to say I liked it more than I expected to, but I expected there was a chance that I might not like it, and I was I ended up on the other side of that, which I enjoyed. I was a little ambivalent about the art. I don't think it's necessarily bad, but it's not my favorite style. In that, I can very much see, like in the coloring, I can see the the Photoshop paintbrush effect or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't like that. I no. I don't like knowing that I'm looking at digital art, and I know that that's just an old fart thing in me. But as soon as I'm aware of that, I, I tend to back up a little bit. If you're going to do the painted style, I think you really have to bring it home. Um, and there were the only other thing I would say is that there was, aside from that Dungeons and Dragons cartoon show thing, there were a lot of things in this that reminded me of other books. Uh-huh. Um, not always specific, but I just felt like so. You know, he gets there and he sees the guy, and he's got you know his eyes are bleeding and whatever. And I, and I was like, you know, I was like, oh, it's like birthright. It's a little birthrighty. It's it's yeah. definitely Jumanji heavy. It's Dungeons and Dragons. It's birthright. There's a lot of things, but it's it's good. And if it's just a way to exercise some of Kieran Gillen's role-playing game, them in my 40s, Demons. And I thought it was really interesting. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that a lot of these image books get better with the context of the writing in the back. Because on one, hand, a good it's, point. It's, one hand, it's interesting. On the other hand, it shouldn't need an, an essay, a personal essay, to explain the, explain the context. The idea that maybe he feels like he went into a fantasy world when he started doing comics and stuff, and he's been stuck in there for 25 years, is a very tough meta commentary mm-hmm. so i think it's going to be good i do I, kieran gillen is a really terrific writer and so i i'm very curious to see what happens let's do ratings 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 out of five ratings i'm going to give it a i'm gonna give it a f- three three and a half three point eight wow i want to be a four but i just don't love the art okay it's fair sticking with it yep yes all right there you go so as I mentioned, patreon.com slash ifanboy, that's where you can go and vote on a book every week. And also, that's where you can go help, just help the show. we got a lot of great patrons over there. Uh, there's a great community between that page and the, the Facebook group. A lot of great chatter all week long at the Facebook group. And that's how you help the show directly. We have stretch goals there. Our next stretch goal, as we talked about this year, is a two-part stretch goal, actually. We'll add a non-comics media podcast to our lineup, which means once a month, Josh and I, or Josh, or I, or special guests, will do non-comics media discussion we'll talk about a movie or tv show or music or something that that is going on in the world in addition to that we will upload all the missing full length and mini uh, video shows we did many years ago to their youtube channel because they were taken down by our old distributor so if you want to see those shows back on the internet help us get to our next stretch goal over at patreon.com slash ifanboy also ifanboy.threadless.com is where you can find our t-shirt designs we've got seven shirts you can also get those designs on mugs or bath mats or iPhone cases, all kinds of uh, merchandise there you can get the designs on. Clearly our, our runaway success, Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters, is never more relevant than today. So check that out. It's a great holiday gift. Also, ifanboy.com slash support. Is help. You can help us out directly via PayPal donations if you don't want to be a patron or buy a t-shirt. We certainly appreciate that. People do it every month. And also, this is important for your holiday shopping. you got a couple of weeks left for shopping. Get those last bit, bits of uh, 
gifts in for your friends and family, go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to all the books we've been talking about on the Bookexplode shows as well as a general Amazon link. And we do thank everyone who does all of these things to help the show in 2018. You kept it going, and we do appreciate it. Everyone who did everything. And even if you didn't, if you just took a listen, that's great too. But we do really appreciate everyone who helped support the show actively. And uh, thank you for doing that and keeping iFanboy alive. Absolutely. Shall we discuss some powers? Yeah, so in addition, to, over at patreon.com slash iFanboy, if you give it the $5 or higher level, in addition to being able to vote on the Patreon pick and getting able to hang out with us on our monthly hangout, which we did last weekend, if you do it at the $5 or higher level, you get your own superpower. It may be dumb, it may be useful, it may be funny, it may be stupid. It's all up to the beholder. Hmm. Let's thank Isaac Person. Isaac Person, when he puts his hand up to his mouth in a closed fist fashion and blows through it like this, he actually shoots a blowgun dart and can knock people unconscious. Can the blow dart have different effects to it? Yes. Okay. So but it's all it's it. all tranquilizing. But there's, there's no the, killers. No, 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 no. No okay. murder guns. Okay. But well, let's say you're at like a movie. No murder guns. If you're at a movie and the guy two rows ahead won't stop talking. Bravo. Bravo. Take the whole group out. <laughs> it's not going to hurt him. It's completely natural, organic, non-GMO blowgun poison. Poison. They'll wake up after a few hours and, be, and never know what happened. Is there a physical remnant of the like, – is there an actual dart? Yes. So like is it like a big like feathery <laughs> thing sticking out of his neck <laughs> where it came from? Well, it's a little – it's a little like a little thing. But yeah. And is there a – is there like an old school slow process? <laughs> Just like slumping Whoa. over. <laughs> what Soft. the? Is that a mosquito? And out. Seeing him do the slow the slow motion talk in that trailer is still one of the hardest laughs I've ever had in my life. Old school. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Just in the trailer. That's great. <laughs> KJ Eldridge. Everybody here has names that uh, seem like fictional names today. Yeah. Uh, he's got he's got drunk fingers. If he touches you with his fingers, you're drunk. Oh. Make you drunk with his fingers. He makes you drunk with his fingers? What level of drunk? Is it like happy buzz drunk? Is it I've had one drink too many? The longer he holds it on there, the worse it's going to get. So if it's just like a little like a like a lay here on and off, there's your happy buzz. If he holds that hand on there for two, you could be puking. Can he do it to himself? No. Okay. No, it's already in him. He's not. In fact, he he he's 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 largely unaffected by alcohol. Is there a way he can control the type of drunk? And what I mean by that is, there's a very different drunk. There's tequila drunk and whiskey drunk are very different drunks. Um, at least in my experience. Uh, I I I honestly I have I I got stuck. I was like I don't have enough experience to answer this question. That's <laughs> okay. I mean, he may he may not have that level of control. He's his own flavor. You he's know? just he's basically just adding alcohol to your your system. Yep. Yep. Basically. I see. Yep. All right. Well, it's drunk che- fingers cheaper that way. Sure. Colin Adams can conjure the ghost of former United States Surgeon General C. Everett Coop. Good facial hair. He he just he 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 can counsel 
Colin. He can dispense medical advice or policy advice. <laughs> or just talk I need a, really outdated information on AIDS. Can you help? Talk about beard maintenance or barn raising. Uh-huh. I don't think he was Amish, but he had the Amish beard. He did. He did. I, bet, I bet he knew something. Sometimes you just need someone to talk to and see if, see if Coop's a good listener. I, 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 now, see, this is one of those instances where I think an essay at the end of this power might be helpful <laughs> to know how it came about. I'm not asking you to tell me that. Okay. I'm just pointing it out as, as one of those places where whatever the story is behind that is probably helpful. <laughs> the ghost of C. Everett Coop. Ghost of C. Everett Coop. He can't Depending up. on how old Colin is, uh, he might have no idea what you're talking about. It's true. Look him up. Peter Chevenel, Chevenel, mm-hmm. he can speak to dogs, but not in English. He speaks to them in their dog language. So he barks at them. Well, there's body language involved, mm. maybe some barking, maybe some sounds, ears, eyebrows, tails, body posture, arching of the back. Interesting. He speaks to the dog in the dog language. Okay. But in addition, there is some barking, though. Yes, yeah, yeah. He he approximates it with a human voice. I see. So he doesn't like bark like a, you know, dog. No, but it works. I see. Like he doesn't have a tail, but he you know he knows how to. So if he says hello to the dog, they hear it as whatever they understand. Yeah, in dog language. In dog language, but he also can do it in, in like a, a head shift or a. Yeah, he can, yeah. He can get into like aggressive position. Like, they walk up and they can tell from his his posture, like, "Oh shit, don't mess right. with that guy," I or, see. or or he throws them all off. Have you ever seen uh, a funny thing happen on the way to the forum? I know, like like maybe thirty years ago. Okay, well, there's a very interesting sign language in that that makes me think of that. Thank you to Peter, Colin, KJ, and Isaac. You are all patrons who help support the show. We we, we give you your powers. Hope you enjoy them. Uh, take them in good health and do not use them for evil. I agree. Do not use them for evil. So now we're getting to a segment that was brought back by popular demand. I had not intended to bring this segment back, but we mentioned it, and it was popularly demanded they return. So here we are. It's the Picks of the Week by the Numbers segment. Long-time listeners will know that I used to do a roundup article on the iFanboy.com at the end of the year in which I would run through all the stats on the year's worth of Picks of the Week to see what we did, if there were any trends, you know, because we don't, we don't pay attention from a yearly basis. We are in this. We're in the muck, week to week. We're in the shit, so we don't really take the bird's eye view of what we do all year. So this is a, a look back at the year, and I stopped doing it for three years, so I, I'm back now. Okay. But Josh, you may you may be surprised to know, or may not be surprised to know, I did the numbers for all three years I was gone. Oh God, I, I my instant my instant response is surprise, but then my. My rationalization is, yeah, of course. I'm actually glad I did because it's interesting to see what we did this year, but it's really interesting to see what the trend has been for the last three. Mm-hmm. What has changed and what has not changed. So numerically speaking, there's always 49 picks because we take the last three weeks off. So Josh, you and I both had 24 picks this year, and Ryan Haupt had one. So it was okay. evenly split. This year, five companies received picks of the week as opposed to Nine last year and five the year before that. So we returned to five. Last year, okay. nine companies. So this year, Marvel Comics had the most 20 picks, 40% of the 41%, basically, when you round up. DC Comics, 19, which is 38%. So it was very close there. Image had eight. 
16%. Archie had one, and Dark Horse had one for 2% of the picks. Image was actually up from last year, which only had six last year. Hmm. Hmm. Marvel was up from 13 to 20. DC was down from 22 to 19. So, uh, although we picked fewer, and I, honestly, that was more, it was because of Ron. We had a we had Black Mask last year, Aftershock, Abstract Studios, but this year only five. Josh, you, you picked books from three companies. Marvel, Image, and DC? Yes. Uh-huh. Your overwhelming favorite, Marvel Comics, 13 picks, 54% of your choices. Mm-hmm. Image Comics, 6, 25%. DC Comics, 5, 20%. Mm-hmm. I had five companies. DC was the number one, 14 picks, six, 58%. Marvel was six, 25%. Image, two, 8%. Archie and Dark Horse, each one, 4% of my picks. And, Mar- and Ryan picked one Marvel book. Interesting to note, you had three companies. I had five last year. You had five. I had three, mm-hmm. which is strange. I... I... I don't know. I, I don't know how to analyze those numbers right now. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. <laughs> and then number ones. So we all we there's often the saying that you guys you guys seem to pick a lot of number ones. People have that perception, which is not necessarily wrong. We like number ones. Interesting to note, relatively flat for the last three years. So 2016 we picked 12 number ones, which was just shy of a quarter of all picks. Last year also 12 mm-hmm. number ones, just shy of a quarter of all picks. This year. Ticked up a bit. 14 number ones, which is 28% of all the picks were number one issues. I wonder how many of the books actually released are number ones, though. I bet that's just... Yeah, and also, I, I, I imagine... Parallel. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I imagine some of those were specials that were just called number one. But still, 28% of this year's picks had a number one on the cover. Mm-hmm. And now, the multiple series picks category. This is the final category. Uh, how many books were picked more than once this year? Josh, do you have a guess? How many separate series? Three to five? Interesting. So two years ago, we picked six books more than once. Mm-hmm. The number one uh, being Superman American Aliens picked three times. Mm-hmm. Last year, we picked five books more than once. The number one being The Flintstones, which was picked three times. Mm-hmm. This year, we had eight series picked more than really? once. Mr. Miracle was picked four times, 8% of all picks. Okay. Batman three times, six percent of all picks. Captain America three times, six percent of all picks. Action Comics, The Amazing Spider-Man, The Avengers, Marvel two and one, Old Man Hawkeye, all picked twice. All four percent of all picks. So I can see that we're going to have a stat about Tom King soon. Well, I didn't do the creators; I just did the right, books. right, right. I know. But yes, and also if you look between this year and last year, six out of twelve issues of Mister Miracle were pick of the week, mm-hmm. which is a lot. That's understandable. And while we're not going to discuss it now, I think we have some interesting data to discuss what our book of the year is, which we'll be talking about next week. Okay. I I think that there's a trend, certainly with me and I think with you to a certain extent, because you talked about it today, where we are now looking for something to hold our interest. And it kind of doesn't matter what that is. And sometimes it's there's 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 like it feels like the two conversations we keep having are, oh, this feels like a comic book should feel, and oh, this is this is different than everything else. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And then like that's where we end up. And I don't think that we were always there. I think that for a long time we were looking for I- innovation, and I don't think it's the same thing. Anymore. Yeah, and when you read a lot of books like we do, and you're doing it for as long as we've been doing it, you yeah. you ha- you look for different things. Yeah. 
and different things will excite you. And it's, for me, there's a lot of different things that that can make me like a book. But for like this week was more about how it was interesting than other book, more interesting than other books. It may have been less fun or or exciting, but it was more interesting. And other weeks it may be just looking for something fun to read. I mean, it really depends. But we do a lot of reading, so what we like changes over the years. We've also drilled down on, you know, reading the books from the best creators, which tend to be from a small number of companies, mm-hmm. at least in our opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. Those were the picks of the week by the numbers. Yeah, I actually had a lot of fun putting those together, shockingly. You, you love a spreadsheet. I do love a spreadsheet. You love a spreadsheet. Let's do one email. Okay. It'll be a quick one. Just to get it, just to, we can hit all of our bases on the final show of the year. Dan from Baltimore, Maryland says, As pioneers in the comic book critic industry, I thought you could help me with this question. I was hoping to learn more about the craft of comic book storytelling and how to better analyze it to be a better comic critic myself. There are tons of books about movie criticism, but nothing about comics. If you wanted to learn more in order to give meaningful analysis, what would you advise? That's a really good question. And I would first say we are not pioneers in the comic book critics industry. We're pioneers in podcasting comic book. Right. We're pioneers in a specific media, medium. Medium, in a sense. But people have been criticizing comic book professionally for decades. I mean, yeah, yeah. Many, uh, you know, uh, Mark Wade, Kurt yeah, Busiek. Com- Comics Journal, Wizard Magazine, fanzines. Yeah. I mean, they've been, it's been around forever. I appreciate the sentiment. We're certainly one of the first people to do it as a podcast form, but not the first people to criticize comic books. Yeah. Okay. I don't have an answer for you because I don't know that there is a text on it, although there are some things that you can do to learn. I think that it takes a lot of time. It's taken us so we're still doing it. Mm-hmm. So decades. One day we'll, we'll be good at it. I think there's this, this a couple of ways to go about it. I think one of, the, one of the things, one of the tools that's really useful, one of my favorite things is to watch and read. Uh, like on, one of the, it's, it's still the best thing. My favorite thing about Twitter is to watch comic professionals talk about making comics. And they will sometimes, they'll do that and they'll show their process. And sometimes they'll talk about things that they really like. If they put up, you know, like I can think of like Gabe Hardman is always posting sort of older comic book work that he's been reading and like classic stuff mm-hmm. um, and talking about, you know, or saying that's great. And then you sort of look at it and try to figure out, well, why is that great? Another thing you can do is and you can interrupt me at any point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another thing you can do is because it's there's so much material. I, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of it. It feels like in comic books, we you know, there's a truckload every single week and that's been happening for 80 years. So. <laughs> Take some of the – like go to the seminal works. Go to the things that are, you know, are 20, 30, 40, 50 years old that people are still talking about. Your Watchmen's, your Dark Knight Returns and look at it and look and see what it's doing and try to discern the moments from that. Like if you do a yearly reading of Watchmen, mm-hmm. you will start to notice things that are happening there You know that were – I don't want to say – revolutionary i don't think the revolutionary thing about it was was the sort of craft of it like it was just really good mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons it stays around but you will see those kind of things you will see tricks you will see themes being represented you will see storytelling devices you just have to open up your mind to what those things are and if you see something you see a page and 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 you go wow that's a really good page but you don't immediately know why you know spend time on that think about it you know, look at, talk to, you know, if you have friends, that, honestly, that's like, have some really smart comic book friends and talk to them about it. I don't know that there are any 
tools or texts other than understanding comics. You should read Understanding Comics. Yeah, and, and the other books that come after it. That will give you a basis to work from. Which really does explain the language of comics. But, yep. but I don't know that there's a how to criticize comics. There isn't a market for it, so there's no books for it. I, there may be out there. I, I did a quick search. I didn't see anything. Alan Moore wrote a book about how to write comics, but that's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. The only way to really do it is, I, I think the way we did it, is you just have to do it a lot. And eventually you, you start to figure it out. I mean, we we go back and cringe at our early criticisms of it's stuff. It's awful. It's terrible. But we if you spend enough time thinking about something, that's how anybody gets good at anything. Yeah. Practice. Practice, practice, practice. We spent a lot of time. We've been we've been doing this show for uh thirteen, going on going into fourteen years. We've been doing iFanboy for twenty, almost twenty or eighteen years. Going into 19 years. Next year will be the 19th year of iFanboy. And we weren't that good at iFanboy for about five years. Yeah, so... And even then. We've been doing it almost a generation. (laughs) It just takes a lot of doing. You gotta... gotta, And it takes a lot of thinking. And it takes a lot of talking. I think the fact that this is a show in which we have a conversation about the books really helps because we get to pick it apart in a way that is helpful to us and hopefully to listeners to figure things out. I didn't like this book. Well, why? And then you have to really sort of figure it out. You can't just say I don't like it. You know what? That's a really good point that you hit on. And if you're talking about how to how to criticize something, um, is that you have to be able to back up everything you say with a reason. Yeah. Usually within reason. There's there's right. definitely places on this show where you go, unless you're being oh, no, funny. Cool. Yeah, it'd be funny. But like the real criticism, the real analysis of something, you have to have a reason for this. That was bad. Why is that bad? You can never, ever get away with – this is the difference between a, a critic and a, and a reader is that mm-hmm. somebody – a reader can just say, that sucked. Somebody totally who really fine. cares about yeah. the art needs to have a reason. Mm-hmm. You have to figure, well, what is it that wasn't working? And, and you have to have a curiosity about what that is. I am annoying as hell to watch anything with, even if it's something I like. And my wife will frequently say, can't we just watch this? And I was like, No. I have to understand it. And I do that a lot of times by talking out loud about it. You know, things that stick with you. My favorite, you know, movies are not necessarily the movies that I love the most, but the ones that I spend a lot of time thinking about afterwards because I'm like, well, what, what, what was this trying to do and why? And, and you, you get a lot of things wrong because it's not – it's art and science. Yeah, because there's no right answer to any of this stuff. But you just have to do it. You have to do it and you have to do it a lot and you have to really think about it, put the time in. It helps to be able to talk through or write through all your thoughts, and there won't be necessarily good in the beginning. Like I said, our, our early ones are really terrible, but I think we're better at it now because we spent so much time doing it. It's just like anything, you know. Yeah, and you you will form, you know, you know, opinions. They're subjective by nature, but there's some things that aren't. There's some things that that are, and and you will have a bias in your point of view. You you won't be necessarily, you know, Connor and I do not agree on. Many, many, many things. Right. But you know, at this point, we know to you know trust that that point of view is a valid point of view. Yeah, you got to understand. And also, the other thing I think is there has to be some sort of a passion about it because you have to be able to recognize something about it is something that you love, something that you really. Even I can complain. I can tell you uh, every week when it's Wednesday, I'm like, motherfucker, I have to read a bunch of comic books. But every week, there's at least a moment or two where I'll go, wow, look at this. Like, there's got to be something that you love about it. Mm-hmm. And being able to appreciate that will make you love it more, even though to people around you, it will sound like you are more of a nitpick. And I know that that's, that's antithetical, but that is how it happens. Right. I mean, if you're going to be a critic, you have to dig into things in a different way than just a casual reader does. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you can't turn it off. Like Josh 
can't turn it off. But I, I, I can do, I do a pretty good job being able to turn it off when I want to. The, you know what? There are books that I don't talk about on this show. No, I, I mean in general for like TV and yeah, movies. no, I know, right? Like to me, that's part of the fun. But like you'll notice, like we don't talk about. I haven't talked about the Strangers in Paradise book mm-hmm. very much. I love it. I'm really enjoying reading it. I don't want to talk about it. Mm. I'm just I, I don't really have a lot to say other than I'm enjoying it. It's the same thing with that that mage book that that's been yep. coming out. Yep. Uh, there's certain things I just put in a different Hellboy books. Like I don't talk about that stuff on the show because I've said everything I needed to about it, and I just enjoy it on my own. And I, that's yeah, that's sort of what you were so just about. just do it. Just do it a like, lot. Yeah. And then the millions of dollars will start rolling in. Uh, you could be due as many as tens of dollars. <laughs> As I understand it. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's how you can write in and get on the show. We think everyone wrote in for this week. Everyone wrote in all year. So what generally happens is when we reach the end of the year, we put all the unanswered emails from the year into a folder, mark bankruptcy, and start again, fresh and new for the year. So if we didn't get to your question, you really want us to get to it, you can try resending it in the next year. But we'd like to start fresh because otherwise we'd have an inbox with with 10,000 emails in it. So uh, if we didn't get to your email this year, we apologize. But uh, send it again if you want us, really want us to answer it. Let's wrap up the show by talking about some things coming up or things that are happening outside the show. As I mentioned all year, Dreadnought Legends number one, the comic that I edited, written by Paul Montgomery, our old co-host, and David Campo. Uh, it is a tie-in to the video game Dreadnought. It's a science fiction story you do not have to have played the game to enjoy. It's available now on Steam if you want to download the game for free. It's part of many of the bundles there. Also, Comixology, it's $1.99. It's about half price of a regular comic. Many, many people have bought it. Many, many people have give, left us star ratings, which you appreciate. For a uh, basically a small publisher, it's it's uh, very helpful. So, if uh, you know it's the end of the year, if you look for something new to read over the holiday break, two bucks. Dreadnought Legends number one on Comicsology. I urge you to check it out. We did we we had tons of fun making it, and I, everyone who has bought it, I thank you. Uh, if you haven't, go over and check out our latest talk, our Booksplode episode. My heroes have always been junkies, the sort of uh, criminal original graphic novel from uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, who have re-upped their exclusive deal that we did not know existed. <laughs> there will be a Talksplode in January. We're going to not do it this month. Um, as you can see by the length of the show you're listening to and the shows that will come in the coming week, uh, you will not suffer for um, – quantity of content this week uh this month i don't think yeah i think we may have to make this a policy going forward because this happened last year too where yeah. the the final talks about what happens in january and and uh, i do i have my i i know i know exactly who i want to go after and I'm, I'm hoping it's not one of those ones where i can't do it is it alan moore yeah it's, I mean, it's always alan moore okay you know alan, alan moore like i was this close at one point like i got contact like i was going back and forth and it kind of fell apart and i was so relieved <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's just too much. Uh, well, cool. So those shows will come out in January. Those are the um, the book split will be the new book split as well, which you and I need to need to finalize. I think I know what it is, but I, I want to make sure I start reading the right book. Those will be in January. The patrons unlocked those shows. Thank you for doing that. And also, the, quickly, the holiday schedule. So as we mentioned before, this is the final Pick of the Week episode of the year. The Pick of the Week show will return with episode 664, January 6th. But in the meantime, in the intervening weeks... You will not be hurting for content. December 15th, we'll have Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse review, somewhere around that date. On December 16th, you'll have the All Media Year and Roundup, in which we talk about the things we loved in media throughout the year, including comics, and we will probably pick our book of the year on that show. And then a couple days later, uh, around December 23rd, there'll be the Aquaman movie review. So you'll have three shows in the intervening weeks. It'll be like we never left. And that All Media show is not just a show. It's an epic. Yeah, it's a... It's an event. 
It's an event comic show that isn't about comics. Go to ifanboy.com. You should, what you should do is you should listen to all of the last 10 years of all media shows mm. in preparation of this one. If you start now, you might have time to finish half of them. <laughs> <laughs> you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following at ifanboy on Twitter. Also, while I don't recommend it, those are places that you could express your consternation. Uh, follow us individually, uh, Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram, trying to cut down my consternation, and C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram, which is the place that he went so there was it was as consternation-free as he could find. That's right. I'm and if you sure. like the show or any podcast, please consider leaving a review or a star rating on iTunes or whatever podcast aggregator you use. It's a great holiday gift for the shows you listen to. It helps people find podcasts. It helps uh, people show that there's interest in it. And uh, they do, we, we do, and they do. Every show that you could list, review uh, appreciates it. And even better than that is to tell your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to get people to listen to the show. And if you have friends who read comics or might be interested in the show, tell them. Let them know. Let them know about the show. We, we, we appreciate that. Helps us grow the listenership and spread the iFanboy creamy love all over the toasted bread that is the world. Oh, I had toast for breakfast. That was very nice. Mm-hmm. That put me in a place, and I was I was trying to smell that toast. I had uh, some Irish butter and some toast. Oof. So that's it for the year. Obviously, we'll still be around for the special shows, but this is it for the Pick of the Week show. We'll be in your ears as much or more than ever. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. It'll be before you Yay. know. Yay. Until, until then, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Thank you. <laughs>